Once again, my friends, welcome back to the Anacreate Podcast. My name is Alex Kratz and I am your host. And today we have another lovely solo episode from me. Um, you know what? I'm probably not going to announce that every time. You just kind of assume it's probably going to be a solo episode, except for the one or two times a month that you get a uh, guest. Because that's kind of my goal. My goal is to be able to bring on a guest every so often. So, I'm putting that out there because I want to be held a little bit accountable for it, mostly to myself. Um, so that's kind of what's what's happening. But we might go some periods without having a guest. And so I'm not going to really announce that every single time that it's a solo episode, it's going to be a solo episode. You'll be able to see that by the title because it won't say with somebody. Anywho, so today, today we have another, uh, an episode that... Well, a topic that I wanted to cover and I kind of have touched on in a video of mine that I put out recently and in a couple of previous episodes. And I think this is just a really important lesson for everybody. And that is to really get to know and learn your tools. You know, um, so I'm referring to a video that I did recently, which was about stock plugins. And it was kind of, I talked about why people think that stock plugins aren't very good and why people try and get away from them as fast as possible and how, frankly, that's all myth and that's all lies <laughs> because stock plugins, for the most part, are actually quite good and they're not, they're not terrible. They all sound great. So you can do great stuff with stock plugins solely. And there's a lot of producers and engineers actually, and, and very high level uh, producers and engineers use a lot of stock plugins and don't, don't, I mean, yes, they use third party and for certain things you do need third party, but they definitely stick a lot to stock plugins. And I've worked with a ton of, of producers and engineers that, especially when I worked at the studio, they would come in and they wouldn't know what plugins we had. They wouldn't know what different plugins they needed or instead of installing a bunch of stuff, they would just use the plugins that were at the studio, which were 100% guaranteed the stock plugins in in that case, Pro Tools. So I'm not talking about just Pro Tools. I'm talking about whatever DAW you want to use, are going to use, anything like that. They have stock plugins typically that come with it. Some of them have a wider range of stock plugins. Some of them don't. And that's getting into more what DAW you need to do which, what job and, and that kind of thing and which, which one has better stock plugins for that. Because not all DAWs are created equally for everything and therefore also not all stock plugins with those DAWs are created equally. So some of them have a wider range of things. And, you know, for instance, Pro Tools has a lot more technical uh, stock plugins as opposed to virtual instruments. They don't have a ton of virtual instruments or they haven't for a long time. Um, they're getting a bit better at that. But Logic, on the other hand, has a ton of great virtual instruments because it's more a MIDI based thing. Um, and that's what it or that's what it's traditionally been as well. Again, a lot of these DAWs are starting to really get uh, kind of merge in certain ways. In a sense, a lot of the the features that they have are very are getting closer and closer. Everybody's kind of copying each other. This is the same way with technology, just around the around the board, really. But I digress. So my point my point in that video was that stock plugins were actually really good, and that you should get to know them, especially if you're moving around studios. You We'll know the, the plugins better and you can open them up and use them and get great results fast anywhere you go with your sessions. And if you do a lot of collaboration and you send and you want to send sessions back and forth, um, then you also have that open and available to you. You can send a session with a bunch of stock plugins and you know that person is going to be able to open that session with a lot of the sounds that you already had. As soon as you get into a lot of third-party plugin realm, 
you don't know what they're going to be able to open. So if you just need a basic EQ, if you just need a filter, if you just need something, a stock plugin might be the way to go because it's guaranteed it's going to open. And down the line, there's going to be compatibility. If that plugin, if a third-party plugin manufacturer goes out of business, whatever the fact, then you now lose the ability to continue upgrading your sessions and your DAW and all this kind of stuff. But stock plugins will have kind of some, they, they don't really just get rid of them. Not to my knowledge. Now, if you know of one that has gotten rid of, I'm very curious, uh, hit me up on Twitter and let me know at Anik Creates. Because as far as I know, they haven't really gotten rid of any stock plugins in at least Pro Tools. Anyway, I digress. One of the things I said was, it really helps, especially when you're a beginner, especially when you're getting into production, to really learn your stock plugins uh, because they're there, they're available, there's a nice swath of them, they're fairly easy to use because it's kind of the point, and, but they can be very powerful if you dig into them. I talked about that in that, in that uh, YouTube video, so I'll link that in the, in the show notes that you can find at anticreates.ca slash podcast and then find this episode. I also talked about this kind of same thing with Jay on my podcast with Jay Real, which was a few episodes ago, and I also touched on this, and this is a big thing with uh, Malcolm Cottle. And Malcolm's thoughts on this as well in the podcast that we did together, one of the latest ones, is his mentality around buying new plugins, which is kind of where the the idea develops for this learn your tools thing uh, came from, is he doesn't upgrade plugins just because they're fancy, just because they look neat, just because there's a deal, just because, just because. Um, He upgrades them if he thinks that there is a, that it's an upgrade for him that he needs it's a tool that he does not have that he needs, or if it's going to improve his workflow by a, a drastic or a fairly decent amount that he thinks is worth it. Because there's a lot of plugins that you just buy another EQ because it's a fancy new EQ that clones the Neve and it's the best one yet. But it's still an EQ, and you have 10 other Neve cloning EQ plugins that you don't use anyway, so this one's not going to be any different. However, buying something like, for instance, uh, Isotope RX or the Isotope suite of denoising plugins, which I love. Buying that is a different tool. There are not a lot of that stuff in the stock plugins. There's not a lot of other tools that are like that. So if you need that specific tool set, if you need something like that, then the Isotope bundle is for you or the the whatever tool you're looking at is needed because it's original and it speeds up workflow drastically because it's just so easy to get rid of mouth noise, to get rid of background noise, whatever it is. It improves your workflow. It's something that you don't have for a lot of people, I should say. That That's what it does. Now, if you don't do a lot of stuff that needs noise reduction, well, then you don't need the Isotope bundle. And so even if it's a good deal, even if it's flashy, even if there's a whole bunch of really great sales on whatever it is, it's not necessarily, it's not worth it for you. Then you just have more plugins and have spent more money on stuff that you don't need and aren't going to look at. That I love his approach to that when to buy new things because... If it's something that he already has a plugin for, and he's been collecting plugins for years, so I mean he's got a big, quite a good array. So this really, really works for him. Um, but to break it down a little bit from that, because that that idea I think is really valuable, is that especially as a beginner, this goes down to the same idea, and that is learning your tools that you already have in your toolbox before deciding what to upgrade. Is it worth it, and how is it going to help you? Not just because it's flashy, but actually help you. So let's look at it this way. You are a new producer engineer at the basic level, brand new, get a new DAW, open it up, install everything. You have a bunch of stock plugins. First thing you go and do is buy another plugin. 
Well, you don't even know what the stock plugin does. You don't even know what the stock plugin version of that does. So you don't know if the third party is really going to make a difference. Some of them, yes. You know, they have different features that are you need that are very handy. But at the basic core, you need to understand the tools that you already have. So stock plugins are just a great example of this. And that's why I keep coming back to them because you get them with your DAW. They're automatically there. You don't have to buy them. You don't have to go out of your way to get them. They're there. They're automatically there. So they're tools that you have 100% because you bought the DAW and they're plugins that are very readily available for you. You need to learn how to use those plugins. And then when you run up against a wall, when you run up against something that you're like, this doesn't do this, or uh, this is hindering my workflow, there's like 10 steps and I know there's a plugin that does this in one step. That's when you expand your toolbox, but you're not even going to know that you're not even going to know the tools that you have if you don't actually put time into learning the tools that you have and upgrading from the stock plugins into other plugins. That's step one. Step two is expanding that knowledge and expanding the plugins that you now buy to buy more. Now, what those tools need to do is serve as a function and serve as creativity. So I get it. I've been there and buying a new plugin inspires you to create something new because you got a new plugin. But the problem is, is that if you don't dive into any of them and you just click presets and don't actually know how they work, you're never going to be able to expand that knowledge even further. And if you learn how they work, they're going to inspire you for much longer. But if you just go through presets, find the two that you like, now that inspiration for that plugin, that usefulness of that plugin is limited to those two presets. And a month later, you're like, okay, I need something new that this is, this one's done. I, I don't have any other thing. I know exactly what I use it for and that's it. But you don't actually know what else it could be used for. You don't actually know what else the, it's possible, the, the possibilities are out there for with that plugin. You, you haven't actually dived into it. So that's what I'm saying is you need to learn your tools inside and out um, to really understand what they do, what their limitations are and what you really need. Because a lot of people buy flashier plugins um, and don't really know that they or, or don't actually need them. Uh, for example, the ProQ2 from FabFilter. I love that EQ. I absolutely love it. I use it on a ton of stuff and it has certain features that I just I got used to using and then I had to buy it because I loved the features that it had, the visualization of it, the use. And those are all legitimate reasons that sped up my workflow, sped up my creativity, therefore, to allow me to create faster and better because I could continue to grow on my visions instead of being hindered by trying to figure something out or doing too many clicks or getting derailed by figuring out how to do something. I just could do it. And that plugin was great. But for the longest time, the Pro-Q3 came out and I didn't see the purpose in upgrading. So I had the Pro-Q2 and I'm an avid Pro-Q2 user. So it's like the perfect storm for me to go, well, instantly I'm going to get the Pro-Q3 because I'm a big Pro-Q2 fan. But I didn't because I was like, well, I, I haven't run into anything in this plugin that I need to upgrade that they could offer me to spend 200 bucks on. <laughs> and I don't really know what the upgraded features of, of are of the Pro-Q3. And therefore, I kept making music with the Pro-Q2, not knowing what the features were because I didn't need them or I didn't know I needed them or whatever because I hadn't really dived into it. And that's the example. I made great music with the Pro-Q2. Even when the Pro-Q3 was out, I still could use the Pro-Q2 and use it really well 
and make great music with it. Fast forward, somebody told me about one of the features that I kind of was thinking about and the, how you can kind of see the visualiz- visualization of one of the other plugins on the one, like a Pro-Q3 could kind of overlay on another one so you could see where the where they're going to clash, where those instruments are clashing in frequency so you can kind of help shape each one so that it's out of the way of the other one. And I thought that was brilliant and it's something that I work on and I kind of pull the both of them up and I didn't even know this was a feature, but as soon as I saw that, it was like, well, that's worth it because now it's going, that's going to speed up my workflow because now I don't have to pull up two of them. I just have to kind of link them together and it's just faster. And then there were some other features that were great, but I didn't need them, but they would be helpful. So I finally upgraded. But my point is that I didn't need to upgrade right away. I still could make great music. And that's what I'm saying. You don't need to upgrade instantly or you don't need to buy new plugins to make great music. All the plugins that are out there are great. You just need to know how to use the tools that you already have. And that's kind of my point. So action steps. I have a couple different things in how to actually learn the tools that you have. And this is for beginners. This is for experienced engineers. This is for anybody. Uh, And frankly, I think that these are things that I've done them myself. And I think that they're things that really can help you grow not only your technical knowledge of the plugins that you have to really dive into them and understand how they work, what each knob does, how to manipulate them to get different sounds out of them. You need to do that. And but this here's some tactics to help do that because sometimes it's not nearly as fun to, to just kind of sit down and go, well, I'm going to learn this plugin. It's not, you don't read the manual and learn it. You have to put it through its paces. You have to try stuff. So you have to take time to try that, but you'll come out the other side more knowledgeable and better equipped to deal with a lot of things. And that's going to just help with your confidence, uh, frankly, uh, for it all as well. Because for me, I know I can tackle basically any, any thing that's thrown at me when it comes to audio, because I know my tools. I know the tools I have at my disposal. I know what I can do. I know what I just can't do because the tools don't allow me to, or I just know that that's not my strength. Um, but I know these things because I've taken time to learn the tools. And one of the reasons that I, I really dove in, I guess this is a bit of a, a history point. One of the reasons that I really know the plugins and this was my driver to really learn them was I was an assistant engineer for a bunch of engineers. So as soon as they wanted to try something, I would have to learn it. Because one, they would learn it. And two, they would have questions, which then I could answer. And that was one of my my value props for them. And that's why people loved working with me as their assistant. I knew all these things, not because I knew them before. I just I don't just have infinite knowledge of all this stuff. But when they when I knew they were gonna look at it or when I knew they liked that plugin, I had to learn the ins and outs really deeply because I wanted to be able to help them to further their own knowledge. So in uh, in that pursuit, I ended up gaining a lot of knowledge for myself. So one of the things that I think, you don't have to be an assistant engineer and, and do that, but um, one of the things to kind of help facilitate that, there's a couple different things that I think you could do. One of them is to challenge yourself to use a certain set of plugins. So let's say you pick five or six plugins and you're going to do a mix with just those plugins and you're going to really push the limits with those. And this is, again, you need time to do this because if you're on a deadline with a client, it's more important about just getting the song done. But if you are doing a project for yourself, that's a perfect opportunity to really push the plugins. They may not work. They might not actually do what you need them to do, but you'll be able to try and push the limits of them to find out what they do and what they don't do. 
Because otherwise you won't actually know, will you? Because there's no way to know until you actually hit the limits or if you read the stats, I guess. But point is you have to push those limits. So take a couple, a couple plugins and say, I'm going to do this mix with this EQ, maybe two EQs, one or two compressors, a reverb unit, and whatever else you need in your workflow. You know, the, the genre of plugin is discretionary. However, the act of using those sets of plugins, you're gonna you're gonna make sure that you only use those plugins. You're not gonna try a new plugin and just pick a preset and just put it on and go, oh that sounds but that sounds better. You're not gonna do that part of it. You are going to really hone in and really dive in. And if you're not sure, if you're like, ah, this doesn't work, instead of picking a new plugin, you're gonna really dive in and really learn that plugin and push it to its limits. So challenging yourself with the certain, uh, the certain plugins like that. I think as well, another thing is, and, and I've talked about this in a previous video as well, creating a cover song, really learning, uh, through creating a cover song, uh, you get to learn instruments. If you want to add new stuff, you get to learn production better because you're trying to mimic something. Go check it. I have a video on this. Um, and I've talked about this in previous episodes and that kind of stuff as well, where how learning, how making a cover makes you a better engineer and producer and songwriter all the way around. And it can also make you a better engineer because you can mix with kind of these same limitations. Um, another thing when doing a, a cover song or when songwriting, learning your tools with mimicking a song structure is the same kind of thing. You're, you're, you're putting limitations on yourself and, I guess the whole point is you're putting limitations on yourself because creativity actually flourishes in limitations. When you have a limitless possibilities, it you almost get overwhelmed and don't do anything. And um, this is really well stated in the book, The Practice by Seth Godin. And I've talked about this a number of times, but it's a great book for that exact reason. And it talks about that and how if you have a limited, unlimited possibilities you can just pick any plugin you want and you can pick whatever you'll end up not actually like really honing in on anything that you do you're going to just pick a preset you're going to pick the plugin and and just roll with it and not really learn what it's doing and not make mistakes as much by kind of turning the knob and screwing it up but oh that's a really cool compression sound that i've come up with that i didn't know happened or you know, turning the knob and finding what the distortion does really does when you crank it or when all those kind of things, you're not going to make those mistakes because you're not actually playing with it. You're picking the eighties distorted drum sound out of the preset list and not knowing what it's doing, why it did it. And you're not knowing what else it could do. So doing that is so important. And so back to my, back to my, my point was mimic a song structure because now, again, another limitation that you're doing. So either as a cover, whether it's an original, you have to figure out, and this does go back to plugins and the tools, because you have to figure out how to make that song structure work for you. And it might work great for them in the way that they wrote their song. But if you are doing your song and you're writing it differently, now you need to use your tools to amplify that. So whether that be different production techniques to make that structure work for you, because maybe they had a 16 bar bridge and you're going, well, I don't write 16 bar bridges. How am I supposed to make this interesting? Cool. Now you can use the plugins that you have, the, the tools that you have to try and make it interesting, make it productionally interesting, you know, different things like that. So I think that there's, there's merit in learning, uh, or mimicking a different song structure and applying it to your own music and figuring out how to do that. And for instance, uh, in a, a previous episode where I talked to Emmett O'Reilly, he takes a lot of classical influence 
and but he uses it in a punk style of music. And so it's really interesting how that has applied and how his songwriting has kind of worked through that and flourished because of it. And he makes great songs. He writes great songs because he takes punk influence and classical influence and melds them together. So it's like a punk structure where it's really short and there's not a lot of repetition and it's uh, fast paced like that. But classical where there's a lot of changes and and it's, I mean, it is still fast-paced and whatnot. But anyway, we talk about that in his episode. So so go check that out. But point is, he does different song structures to really learn better how to songwrite. And I think that's very, very valuable. And it will tinker down into your engineering skills as well, because you have to make those work and make the mix work and make everything flow nicely still. And then another tactic that I've found is reverse engineering a sound. So a lot of plugins, and especially this applies to synthesizers, but in basically anything, is you take a, a, a plugin, you put it on a sound, you duplicate that track, and you put the same plugin, but with just the, the default, like, no sound kind of thing. And then you listen to the sound that, that the preset is that you've picked, so 80s, crunchy, whirly, or whatever. And then you go in to the neutral one, and you recreate that. So you're reverse engineering the one that you have. What are the knobs that that got turned from the default to the uh, to the actual sound that you picked, and why? What are they doing? What is that doing to contribute to the sound? How is this sound actually there, and why is it called '80s crunchy whirly? Maybe some names are completely useless, but some of them are like pumping drums. Now you know. Now you understand what is it that's actually making the drums pump. What are they doing? that's giving it that sound and why, how do I do that down the road without having to pick this preset? If I'm in a different, cause this, this again, this goes to different plugins too. If you learn how that plugin does it, it's a still a, I don't know, compressor. It's still a compressor that applies to other compressors in a different way. But the, the, the actual, how it's done and the, the fundamental technological ways that it happens are the same. Fundamentally, they're the same. It's still a compressor, still the same basic principle of compression. So it applies to now different plugins and different tools and hardware and whatever. So even if you learn the stock plugin intimately, you will now understand how to use any other compressor that much better. So reversing reverse engineering presets really is a great way to understand where you can go with those sounds. And once you understand what the knobs do, and once you understand how to push those limits a little bit and how to, or once you understand how to make that sound, you can then push the limits even further because you'll know what the knobs do. You'll actually understand what all the controls do, what all the different sounds are. And that'll just make you a better engineer and be be able to create better. And then another thing, the last thing I want to just say is back to, Malcolm's point and back to Jay's point and what we talked about in Jay's podcast. And that is don't just buy plugins because they're fancy. Actually learn your tools. That's kind of the point of this whole episode is to summarize it all. Learn your tools before you expand your toolbox. And I love, I love that saying, but it's so true because you really need to understand what you already have before you know where you need to upgrade, what aspects of your toolbox you need to upgrade, and what aspects of your toolbox you don't need to upgrade, and then also what direction you need to upgrade. Because nowadays there's so many more tools than ever before, and they all have, or there's a lot that have very specific purposes. 
So you need to understand, well, what do I actually need to get the plugin with that specific purpose or that specific end goal in mind? Yes, there are general plugins and a lot of plugins have so many options that you almost get overwhelmed if you don't know why you're buying it and what your intent is to use it because it has to be solving a problem or a need that you have. And that might be to be creative. Honestly, that might be just to be inspired by something new. That might be that you need a quicker workflow like like Malcolm does when he thinks of new plugins. Or that might be that you don't have a tool like that and you need one to complete a job. But whatever it is, you need to know that. And the only way you're going to know that is by really learning the tools that you already have in your toolbox to then be able to expand from them. So that is it for this episode. I hope that uh, helped you a little bit. I hope that gave you some insight and some ideas on how you could expand your creativity by putting limits on what you're doing. Kind of putting that limitation on your creativity will actually make it flourish even more and allow you to create better and, uh, and I think be a stronger engineer, producer, songwriter, artist, anything anything in between. So you can find some show notes and other episodes, the the ones that I've talked about at anacreates.ca slash podcast, and then just find this episode as well as all the other episodes. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. It's on all the major players. So go check it out subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes as well. Go check out anacreates.ca and sign up for the newsletter because at the uh, at every month, I put out a newsletter now with a bunch of resources to help you with different things, as well as my a, a summary of what I've released. So be that on YouTube, the podcast, any other things. I've got a lot of stuff in the works, so that'll be coming in uh, in future newsletters as well. But it's a nice summary of stuff that I've released that might help you, and also other resources from other sources that I find inspiring, even a different opinion from me that I think is valuable to share. So go check that out. Sign up for the newsletter. With that, I will see you in the next episode. Until then, always be creating.